I am fascinated, intrigued, and honored you by may the have done what they said you did, but they are magnificent, they marvelous. Are. You need to know that you're okay just the way you are. You succeeded in as a child. What you've been through matters. This podcast is designed for you. It's Love on a mission hope. in a world that where human experience is lacking. My name is Ginger Wilk, and we're here to talk about that which matters. Welcome to That Which Matters. I just wanted to let you know that I'm excited about this topic today. Last episode, we talked about hopes. We talked about all of the issues and difficulties and disappointments that factor into having hope for the future and broadening hope a bit more. If you haven't already listened to it, I really encourage that you do so that you can get that background because it's very much related to the topic that we're going to be discussing today. So when we talk about dreams, I'm not talking about dreams that we have in the middle of the night uh, while we're sleeping. I'm talking about dreams, dreams that are planted within us, dreams that we have for the future, dreams that we had when we were little boys and little girls, dreams that people experience on a broad scale, corporately. Uh, it could be for a city. It could be for a country. It could be for the world at large. It could be for specific causes, but dreams are really, really important to talk about and for us to be able to assess where we are in that area of our lives. So I want you to think about yourself when you were a small child. I want you to think about as early as age three. Now, I know at age three, there's not many, many memories that we have. Maybe we have a few, but that is the time that we start to really express the dreams that are within us because that's when we start to play. That's when we start to pick up certain toys or act out certain events or begin to just experiment on different things. When we have the ability as a young child, whether it's just being outside and picking up sticks or inside with toys or whatever it is, using our imagination, that's when we start to express some of the dreams that are embedded on the inside of us. But even moving from age three into preschool, elementary school, I want you to think about what you dreamed about for your future. What were your dreams? And I know you might think, geez, that's kind of young. I mean, it wasn't until high school that I was starting to talk to my guidance counselor about what I wanted to do for a career. And I don't want you to talk about career. This is not about career. This is about your dreams, the authentic ones, the ones that were there early, early on that were pure because they were being expressed right out of your heart. And it's at a young age that those things begin to manifest. So before you took career tests, before you talked to your guidance counselor, before you decided on a major in college, what was your dream? What was it? And let's define dream. Dream is a cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. So that broadens it a lot, doesn't it? A cherished aspiration, ambition, or ideal. It can be something that is a concept as well as something that we know has an action attached to it. It's broader than we might think. And so I want you to think about what you love to do during your playtime or your free time when you were a little child. Because that's really telling of some of the things that you really aspire to do and to be. What toys or items did you select? What was the basis of your imaginary play? 
What role did you cast yourself in? Not all, but some of those answers to these questions contain at least a portion of what you dreamed about doing and becoming. And it's really critical that you recall this. And remember, for those of you that are parents, teachers, grandparents of children that age, it's important that you notice and validate these signs and expressions. When I was little, I used to dream about doing shows. I would always dream about uh, commentating fashion shows, for instance, and I would make my friends and my sisters or even imaginary people be the models. And I didn't even want to be the model. Most people want to, most little girls want to be a model. I wanted to be the commentator, the narrator. That's what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was in high school and really in college and beyond that I started expressing myself through narration, even now with podcasting, that communication element of me was something that manifests so early on. I would take a little tape recorder and just put together a whole script and narrate these fashion shows. I would also write. That's something that I've done later on in my life as well. I would write little short stories, make up characters, come up with these little silly you know, scenes or plots that would go on. I mean, I'm talking about at a very young age, but I would do it. I would pick up a pen and something magical happened when I would use a pen. That wasn't something that anybody taught me to do or encouraged me to do. I just did it. I always wanted to put on plays. I would get everyone together in the summertime and we'd put on these plays, these skits. I was always fascinated. That's the other thing is what are you fascinated by? Are you fascinated by going to shows or going to tractor poles or to going to car exhibitions or, you know, what are some of the things that really fascinate you? Because what you're, you gravitate towards as a young age is also very telling. And so I would do all of those things. I also used to play house and I, you know, would put together my little dishes and my cooking for dinner and so forth. And it wasn't until later on in life after I was married and had children that I saw that that was part of a dream for me to be a mom and for me to have a household. It doesn't always have to be so involved but those were dreams that I had. I had dreams mostly about entertainment, but I also really, really enjoyed people. And so these were things that just came, even my family used to laugh about how I would be outside dancing in the yard and they, they said I looked like a deer that was just like leaping around the yard. And I never really aspired to be a dancer, but entertainment was a consistent thread. So what about you? What was consistent for you? Because what happens is, Kids begin to express these things really early on and they start experimenting. They start trying some of these things. And unfortunately, what happens is there's dream killers that are out in the atmosphere. Somewhere along the way, people find a way to stomp on our dreams. Those in authority will easily stomp on these expressions and snuff them out with practical and logistical objections. You hate school. How will you be a doctor and go to school for eight years after college? That's a big one. Well, you don't really like school, so how can you be a lawyer or how can you be a doctor? You can't even finish the assignment that your teacher gives you in second grade, so how are you gonna be a doctor? That's stomping on a dream. Girls aren't usually firefighters, so I don't know why you would want to be a firefighter. You're a little girl. Maybe you should think about doing something like becoming a nurse. Some of those 
stomping on dreams or about gender roles and the socialization of, of genders um, and what comes out of people's mouths to discourage something that logistically is not impossible. It's just the way that that person in authority sees it. You don't make any money as a social worker or you won't make any money as a counselor. Why don't you go into business? Because that's where there's going to be big, big money. You know, in some countries, it's being an engineer. Everybody wants their kids to be engineers because that's the big bucks or that will get you a ticket into another, into the U.S. or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter what country. It happens everywhere. There's some shaping that goes on, and part of it is because that those parents really care and they really want to help guide those kids, but part of it is stomping on dreams because kids in the second grade are not going to sign a contract to do anything. So why don't we just let them express themselves? Why don't we just let them be who they are and come to a point where they're able to realize what all of this expression is about? Fixing cars is not a career for someone who will go to college someday. You don't want to be a mechanic. You want to be somebody that's going to have four years of college or is going to have a master's degree. There's all sorts of things. Uh, I remember my mother not discouraging me from having a career, but I remember her big thing was, oh, we'll just marry somebody rich. So her way of looking at it is that if I just marry a person that's wealthy, I don't have to worry about aspiring for my own wealth. Uh, so sometimes it's our own stuff that as people in authority will just put onto others, put onto children. But I really want to encourage all of you to think about how pure and how delicate and how telling it is when a child expresses some of these things that they're dreaming about and to really allow yourself to just observe and to realize that there's going to come a time where there will need to be some advice. There will need to be some guidance, but right then in that particular stage is not the time to do it. It's time to just watch and assess and applaud when a child is able to express themselves. Or think about when a child makes you breakfast in bed. Just because they do that doesn't necessarily mean they want to be a chef, but there's something in that, taking that time to actually uh, express themselves with cooking and serving. Maybe they want to own a restaurant someday, or maybe they're just going to be have a wonderful side business of catering, or maybe they're just going to be somebody who loves to cook. It's going to be something, cooking or baking, that brings them joy when they're working for the FBI and they have a lot of horrible things that they have to see during the day. Maybe it's just going to be that. But if a child makes you breakfast in bed, and all you can do is complain about the mess in the kitchen or the smoke that's coming out of the, you know, uh, the stove or whatever the case may be, you're going to miss it. You have a chance to applaud. You have a chance to affirm. But you're going to miss it. And you're going to get them focused on the fact that they maybe weren't able to have success in that area. And it's real important that children are able to see that they can be successful, even in the small things, to be able to say thank you so much for that effort, for thinking about mommy or daddy or grandmother or this one or that one, um, and thank you for this unbelievable toast that you made or whatever the case may be. So it breaks my heart that God creates you know, these precious children with dreams that are embroidered into their hearts, and they finally discover a way to express a portion of this through their actions or speech, and then they're shut down or criticized. So, you know, when we shut people down, sometimes people can have a life that's compromised. Maybe you are in that category. Maybe there was something that you dreamed about when you were small 
that was shut down so easily. You were discouraged from being able to express that. I think about the socialization of gender roles all the time, and one thing I think about is how a lot of times girls are socialized to cook. You know, okay, you know, all the daughters come into the kitchen with me and all the sons go outside with, you know, dad or uncle or whatever to do the lawn or to work on the cars or whatever. And the truth of the matter is, is when you look at all of the shows, there are so many male chefs that are successful and that are celebrities. Most of the ones that I can think of are males. And it has nothing to say, I don't even know statistically, but when I think about it, I think about how many male chefs there are out in the world and how that's so faulty for us to just assume that that role is associated with a specific gender. It's whoever's good at it, whoever has a knack for it, whoever puts the work in, those are the ones that need to be affirmed and encouraged in that particular career. So it's super important that we don't allow ourselves to put too much emphasis on uh, how we think that our children should end up or other people's children, just encourage. There's so much discouragement these days. There's so many things that are out there that are talking about why we can't do this or why we can't do that or the dangers of this or the dangers of that. When you see something that is good and that is beautiful and that is creative, just applaud it. And for those of you that have experienced that as a young child yourselves, go back and remember and think about those things that really excited you. So for me, like I said, I had all of these wonderful things that I wanted to do and to be. And it's important to know that dreams do not have to translate into a career. That's something that I think has really stunted a lot of people. For instance, for me, I'm not being paid as a writer or as a narrator or as an actor or a dancer or a singer. I don't really dance or sing, but I'm not being paid to do those things. Maybe with, through podcasting that will lead to that, but right now I'm not being paid for that. I'm in the social service field. That's how I earn my bread and butter. That's how I put food on the table. But those other things are things that I love those are things that balance me out. Those are things that define me in a whole other light from what I do during the day in my job. And so I think part of the problem is, is that when we automatically associate our dreams with something that we have to get paid for, that's where we get a faulty result. And one of the things that I want to share with you is that it can manifest into ministry, into volunteer service, into hobbies, into side careers. So, you know, there's important things to think about. Like I always mention Paul the Apostle. Think about Paul the Apostle. He obviously was in full-time ministry. That's what, how we know who he is and what he's done. We're very, very familiar with him. But the truth of the matter is that's not how he got paid. In fact, he made a lot of comments about the fact that I don't want anybody else to pay for me. I don't want anybody else to support me. So he actually was a tent maker. I don't know if a lot of you know that, but Paul the Apostle made tents. So what he did by day was he stretched material and he created tents. And that was how he made his money. But what was he doing? What was he dreaming about while he was pulling this material and creating it into these tents and getting all the equipment together and packing them all up for their clients? What was he doing? He was dreaming about the churches that he created. He was dreaming about the people that he was pouring into. That was his heart. 
his, that was what was in his soul. That was what he wept over, and that was what he was filled with joy over, was not the tense, but it was the people. And so I want to encourage some of you that, you know, maybe you've chosen a career in your life that is clearly not in the realm of your dream. You chose it because it was practical. You chose it because of the money that was made or the opportunity that you had, and there is nothing wrong with that at all. But I want to encourage you that just because you've done that does not mean that you've had to close the door on your other dreams. You can be sitting in front of your laptop or you could be running a, a store or you could be working in a hospital or whatever your career is. But just like Paul, you could be dreaming about the things that your heart really aches for, what your real true dream and aspiration is could be something that you have on the side, something that you decide to just bring out of kind of the past and, and manifest in your future right now. It could be something on the side. And I want to read to you a poem by Langston Hughes, and he's a great writer. He spoke a lot about the very realities of his time and what went on um, in a very real way. And this is called Dream Deferred. And it said, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugary over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? And I want you to think about that poem and what it's really saying. It goes along with what we talked about in the last episode about hope, which is hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm sure it's somewhat, maybe, lightly based upon that scripture. But hope could be deferred. Dreams can be deferred. And what he's really saying in this poem is that it has a reaction when we constantly put off those dreams and those things that we desire to do. Hope might be for a circumstance that we want to happen, something that we're waiting to manifest in our lives, but dreams are the things that we have to initiate. That's something that takes action on our parts. And I've always said that, you know, dreams might fall asleep a little bit, but we have to make sure that they don't go into a coma. And that's really the truth. Our dreams can definitely get really sleepy. Our dreams can definitely fall off the radar for us. We can have periods of time where we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and plugging along as if they never were there to begin with. But all of a sudden, suddenly out of the blue, we come to a point where we've got to get this dream to not go into a coma to not come to a point where it will never be resuscitated again. And that's going to take action and that's going to take courage to be able to do that, to be able to allow ourselves to take steps. With a dream, we have to take steps. For instance, this podcast has been a dream that I've been wanting to do for a really long time. It's part of something much bigger, but it's something that I've been wanting to do. And I've thought about this again and again and again. And what happens when we have dreams? Again, my dream is broad. I want to do more communicating. I want to do more speaking, public speaking, and, and be a part of situations where I'm able to use that gift. But even with this podcast, 
it started because it was a thought in my head. And that's where dreams begin. They, they begin in our heads. They begin with a thought. We think about it, and then we think about it another time, and then we think about it another time. And then what? Maybe we start to do something about it. Maybe we actually start Googling things. Maybe we actually start emailing people or texting people or looking, getting books out of the library or looking into the techniques of something, whatever it might be. That's doing something. And then it's speaking it out of our mouths. And that's the part that's really difficult because, like I said, with hope, when we really have a dream, once you say it, you put it out there. And it can be pretty scary when you actually announce it out loud because not only did you hear yourself say it, but someone else heard it. And then that person's going to hold you accountable to it too. They're going to ask you from time to time about that dream. How's it going with X, Y, and Z? And it's a little bit of a cutting comment. They mean it with encouragement, but to us, it cuts us because it reminds us of the fact that we've got to keep that dream alive. We've got to keep that dream going. And so dreams have to be acted upon. And then comes the point where you actually begin to do something. Maybe it's establishing an outline. Maybe it's actually paying the first $50 towards whatever it is that you want to do. Maybe it's actually just showing up and meeting with somebody that you need to meet with. Maybe it's you're going to be meeting with a mentor or someone that's softer to talk to, someone that you can just throw these ideas out, but it's a little bit more serious than just talking to your friend or your child or whatever about it, but you're actually taking action. There's a plan and a goal and then some sort of deadlines. And that's how we get dreams to a place where they can come alive again, where all of a sudden you start seeing that thing breathing again. And that's what we want to do with dreams. So when did we dream for ourselves in a way that we still need to tap into. Like for instance, what did we dream years ago that we still need to tap into? Think about it, go back in time and think about a dream that you had. Think about, I'm sure there's several. Think about a specific dream that we still need to tap into and try to focus on that right now as we're going through the rest of this time together. Think about this. What do we dream for our children? When we think about our children, what, what are our dreams for them? Because dreams are not just for this generation that we're living in right now, but they're for the generations to come. What do we dream about for our own community? However that's defined. What community? Is that a church community? Is that a, a community of a specific race or religion or creed or language? Is it a community of people that have shared aspirations or causes? What do we dream for this community? Martin Luther King Jr. dreamed about this country and the end of racism. He dreamed about unity. He was such a dreamer that he stopped dreaming about himself. In fact, his last speech, he basically knew that he was dying, said that he's been to the mountaintop. He basically understood that the dreams for himself were coming to an end. In a prophetic way, he got that understanding that his dreams were so much bigger. And to this day, those dreams are still alive. His words are still being spoken over the United States. 
He dreamed about unity. So dreams should expand from ourselves to those around us. They should be expansive. They should be dreams that spread, dreams that light fires in people. The generations beyond us and things beyond our time on the earth. If our dreams are only for our lifetime until we die, then they're not big enough. Because really good, amazing dreams are the ones that are going to outlast all of us. I mean, God said to Abraham, look at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And this was God speaking to a man who did not have one child. He had zero children at that time and a wife who was very, very old at that particular time. And God said, look at the stars. And I believe that that's what we really need to look at right now is the stars. We need to understand that they can really have just an unbelievable amount of impact Dreams should be ridiculous. Dreams should be expensive. If they're coming from God, I'll tell you right now, there are no cheap dreams to God. So it's going to cost you. Dreams require more people than us to achieve them. If they're really going to expand and impact others, then it's going to be beyond you. It's going to involve more than just you. Your dreams are not over because you signed on to that company as an executive or an accountant or because that's how you earn money or because that's the place you decided to live or because you put those things away a long, long time ago or because you're 80 or 60 or 50. Your dreams are not over because you feel like it's just not even worth looking into them anymore. Your dreams are not over because someone told you that you couldn't or someone laughed at them or somebody put them down or found a reason to be able to stomp on them. Your dreams aren't over because someone told you when you were five years old that that's not what girls or boys do or that's not what people who come from the other side of the railroad tracks do or don't do. Your dreams are not over because people have shut them down but God is the one that's going to allow these dreams to manifest and allow yourself to go through the exercise of deciding which one am I going to revive right now? Which one is going to be the dream that I'm going to bring out of that coma and I'm going to allow there to be life brought back into it? Because the God dreams are always going to impact others. They're always going to have influence and they're always worth fighting for so don't ever stop fighting for your dreams in collaboration with IML Productions this has been your host Ginger Wilk with That Which Matters thank you for listening